Looks like we're live on Facebook. Oh boy. Give me like an hour and then my uh, internet will pick it up. There we go. <laughs> we're up there. Oh boy. All right. <clears throat> so, you guys all ready? Ready when you are. I was, uh, not ready. Just kind of go right in. But, uh, all right. Well, recording in uh, three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. Uh, it's a little weird for me because I'm actually recording from my phone in my hotel room, but uh, hey, we made it. So um, what we're doing, if you're tuning in, I apologize for not having the stream up. Um, this is obviously something we'll work out before um, I fully take off, so no pressure, Justin. But um, a couple things. Uh, just want to real quick kind of plug the uh, Discord channel. I posted that um, about a day or two ago um got some people interested not really sure what discord can do but it looks cool so if anybody's really savvy in discord uh it's there and i'll pretty much accompany this with the post and then um the third point i think i'll skip to the very end um let me just go ahead and introduce the guests so um in no real particular order uh justin how you doing man pretty good how you doing steve nice to have you back yeah it's good to be back um i did not get married in vegas um <laughs> Not even close, but, you know, it was a good time. I appreciate you guys letting me uh, kind of unplug for a little bit. It was a good test and trial run to just make sure that this uh, continues without me. But, um, Vaughn, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. Sorry for running late. I guess we got started a little late, so it's fine. But um, I'm great. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get this wrapped up and stuff's uh, fun. Yeah, I love the, uh, the opening blooper. Like, Steve is going to come in and be like, what the heck are you guys doing? That was, that was awesome. Um, and Chris, welcome back, man. Um, how have you been? I guess he's been better. Did we lose Chris? We lost. He's there, but muted. <laughs> Can't hear you, Chris. Welcome back to Chris. Uh, yeah. Sean, how are you doing, buddy? Ready to wrap this thing up. Yeah, I loved your uh, your closing comment of just like, this just makes me miss dodgeball, and I feel it, man. Um, Lou, how are you doing? Hey, I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to see who's going to win the mock 2020 championship. Right on. And uh, did Chris, are we getting back? Or is he yeah, still can you guys hear me now? Oh, there yeah. you are. Awesome. No, I just wanted to say that, you know, I'm glad to be back on. Uh, I'm sad I had to miss the last two episodes. But, um, you know, I want to finish this thing off. feel like it was exciting to start and uh, can't wait to hear what we say before the end of this one. For sure, man. And um, you definitely brought like a new voice. Um, nothing against the current panel, but like I realized there was something uh, missing when you when you dropped off, I think, in the quarterfinals. Uh, what feels like months ago. So really glad that you're here for the final piece because, uh, boy, this is going to get uh into the weeds and so just to kind of recap so right now we're looking at the final match um i guess we loved 2020 so much that we're doing a rematch between crisis and heat um one thing i wanted to say that i thought was really awesome is if you were to go back and listen to the first episode um heck even their birthday clash where you know justin myself and uh jenny were kind of just you know 
going back to the stats that Rulina put together, kind of going based off memory, um, the amount of work that you guys have put in, uh, especially Lou and your your product, as I keep uh, pitching it, really shows how far we've come and, and how much I feel we're going to be able to speak to um, more complex uh, scenarios. And, and it's going to feed into really awesome recaps down the road. So um, all in all, it's, it's, it's kind of cool how this whole thing developed. And I, I really hope that, um, you know, if we're still not playing dodgeball um, in the immediate future, uh, we'll be able to do this again. I know Joe Coella has stepped up. He wants to help start co-ed. Um, I believe, Justin, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you've been talking to Jenny about doing women's. Um, yeah, we are in conversations about it. And I think maybe later this week I might do another podcast just sort of preparing for it. Yeah, just get started. And then um, hopefully if Rulina's listening, we can get her involved too. Um, she's, and my then, she's my number one hope for, for the podcast. Yeah, let's, let's, let's hope that that happens. And then um, we have uh, Brenda had pitched with Shelby a, a type of draft tournament. So uh, a lot of content available, even though we're not playing. And then um, obviously we'll have the interviews as well. Um, but I guess uh, let's go ahead and, and first acknowledge Gage Young. He is the first to comment on this stream. So awesome. Welcome, Gage. Thank you for tuning in. And, um, you know, this is interactive. So if you guys are listening on Facebook Live, you're tuning in, let us know if we're saying something that's off course or if you have a, a point that you'd like for us to consider or talk or debate about, uh, by all means, let us know. But um, and then, um, what's that? Sorry, that was me. I was I just started the Facebook stream. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, I guess without uh, further ado, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and, and begin. And um, let's just start with... Um, who wants to take the the roll call or the roster for crisis? I'll get things I'll get things rolling. So, uh, f our first team in the championship match is Crisis. Uh, Crisis's roster is Justin Payan, Andrew Ketchum, Brody Johnson, Ryan Morris, Brett Baxter, Tad Delugo, and Maddox Helmrich. Um, Crisis's rankings. Uh, before the tournament started, we ranked all the teams in various categories, and Crisis was the top-rated throwing team, the third-rated catching team, ninth in chemistry, fourth in experience, and 13th in depth. Um, overall, when we kind of combined all the rankings, they were the third, third overall team. Um, in the bracket so far, Crisis defeated Havoc in the first round 4-1, to one. They defeated Notorious in the second round, 4-0, and they defeated Rise in the semifinals, 4-2. And I know there's obviously some contention with that call. Um, there's there's a new Rise, uh, you know, Rise Bros. I have no idea what, well, I guess I shouldn't say that. We, we have somewhat of an idea of what the new Rise would have brought to the table, but it's kind of hard to determine that without actually seeing them in full force on an 8.5 league court, so... Um, by no means was this meant to be perfect, but um, I mean, looking at their their pathway um, and listening to your guys' recap last week, I, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much almost in the same boat as well. So, um, who wants to take the uh, Heat roster? I can do it. Uh, Heat's roster is Asidro Perez, Vince Marchbanks, Sean Wheeler, Dylan Clark Odin, Tyler Greer, Frank Mariona, Griffin Baker, and Randy Hodge. Uh, Heat's rankings, they ranked out as the sixth best throwing team, the fourth best catching, number one in chemistry, number two in experience, and number one in depth. And that ranked them out as the number one overall team. And their previous matchups, 
They were 4-2 versus Thieves, 4-3 versus Anarchy, and 4-2 versus Shred. Um, so they're a little bit more tired coming into this finals than hypothetically Crisis would be. Playing yeah. uh, four more matches than, than Crisis would be. Is fatigue a factor in this? So I thought it was like, whoosh, you're, you're no longer tired. We're going to have to talk about that. We'll talk about okay. that later. Sounds good. All right. Well, um, kind of going off the, the flow, and thanks for doing this, Lou. Um, made this really easy. Um, I'm still going to mess it up. But anyway, um, one of the questions that you had posed was, what happened last year in the championship match when these two teams met? And if I may, since it's kind of still relatively fresh in my brain, um, I'll just kind of talk about what I noticed watching as a spectator. Um, from memory, of course, um, what I noticed was um, Crisis was not necessarily outgunned, but it just seemed like Heat had a lot more of a like a cohesive approach, more strategic. Um, I did notice Ketchum would go for Vince quite a bit. And um, it, to me, it seemed, I have to watch the video again, like Ketchum would maybe get Vince every one or two times, but if he did, um, he'd get out immediately, or if he missed Vince, he would still get out. So I noticed there was a lot of like support coming from Heat's perspective uh, from their side. Um, There's a really, what I feel, a really pivotal play, um, a heads-up play from, I think, Frankie got hit, and um, it just sort of kind of made its way towards Dylan. He was able to grab that ball, and that was a huge out. Um, I didn't really notice much from Tad or Brett, um, and I also think um, Pine was, was nursing or treating some kind of injury that we didn't get to experience the full Pine Um if I were to, to sum it up, I would just say Crisis played the, their normal style where they don't seem to have one. They just outgun, outtalent everybody. And he kind of just answered that with a team of, of a cohesive unit. And the outcome was what it was. The, the In my opinion, the better team won. So I'll open up the uh, the arguments with that. Um, I don't know who wants to go next. Did anybody have a perspective from the championship last year that maybe Steve didn't touch on in that summary? All right, nailed it. I guess the one perspective is that Crisis didn't seem to play. From my perspective, it didn't seem like Crisis played at the top of their game, whether that was because Heat was playing a better strategic game and took Crisis out of their game or other factors took Crisis out of their 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 game. But it just didn't seem like, you know, I watched them steamroll, you know, a bunch of other teams throughout the whole tournament. Um, in terms of footage, I watched them, you know, not, you know, have their way with every team in the West, but, you know, they had a pretty good year in the West Coast. I think they won round one and run round, round three, and made it the semis in round two. So pretty much we're in the final four in every round. And it just didn't seem like that team showed up in that finals match. I don't know, Sean. You were there. Do you feel like that that was the team that you saw play the whole year? Do you feel like you guys did stuff that took them out of their game? Um, I think. I mean, Pine was definitely, for whatever reason, we got to get him out in the first three people, uh, out like out on crisis like every game. Um. And he, he, we didn't throw any catches to him, which I, I don't 
especially, you know, having gone through our history of high catch games as a team, I think was probably a little bit of an anomaly. Um, I think, you know, Steve kind of mentioned it, that crisis strategy a lot of times feels like uh, it's just like throw ball. Um, And, you know, having played with Brody, like I, I know that at least in his mind, it doesn't always feel, it feels like any out is a good out. Um, and I think that that was something we knew going into the game. And we knew that not all outs are equal. Like if, if we trade you our sixth guy for your second guy, that's a really big win for us. Um, and I think, you know, I think that was something that they weren't thinking about going into the game. Chris, what did you think from watching the match? From watching the match, um, the one thing that I noticed um, that was kind of already said was just um, that Crisis didn't do well when they had to like come together and make a throw. Um, everything I saw was just like reactive. I think Heat was a proactive team, so Heat was trying to execute a game plan, and they were doing what they wanted to do. They were doing really all over the court, they seemed like to be making the first play. And it seemed like every play that Crisis made was the second play or the third play. So like he did something that hurt Crisis. And then it always seemed like Crisis was reacting to being hurt by Heat. It never seemed like Crisis was making the initial play and then Heat was reacting to that. It was always Heat made the play they wanted or they attempted the play that they wanted. And then like Crisis was playing off of that. And so um, it always seemed like he had the upper hand in that because um, Crisis was so reactive. So I don't know how Crisis could have changed that. Maybe, uh, maybe hitting their shots would have changed things because they would have been on the proactive, and then he would have been reacting to that. But it just seemed like that whole series we didn't see that at all from uh, Crisis. So um, it could be what you said. It could be an anomaly. You know, they just played a really bad game, or it's just something with each game plan. Um, crisis couldn't figure out how to quite um, be effective against it. So there's there's two things I wanted to uh, to, to mention um, about this this thing that seemed to throw Crisis off that you mentioned, Chris. Um, the rush. So obviously, I think one of the 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 focal points when we looked at Crisis versus the New Rise was Brody's ability to pretty much take out everybody because he's a superhuman being. Um, I can't base it off memory, but uh, Sean, do you remember? Was the rush was Brody effective against you guys? Yeah. Like, did they ever get that jump on you guys? Yeah. So let's see. First game, Brody killed Frank on the rush, um, but then we took those four balls and we immediately killed Pyan. The second game, no one threw on the rush. Uh, the third game, Brody killed Frank, and then Ryan killed Dylan on the rush, but then we ended up with five balls. And we took those five balls and went back and killed Ketchum and Pyan, which again is good trade for us. Uh, the fourth game is where Brody just did Brody things. He killed Dylan, killed Frank, caught me, uh, and they were up like six three. I think maybe Vince kills Ryan. Yeah, Vince kills Ryan. Um, so they're up five three. But that that was like the Brody game. And I think that you're not ever going to play a game against Crisis where you don't get at least one of those. Um, and I think that that is also like the game that if you look at 
uh, I think part of what Chris was saying was talking about like how crisis was always reacting. I think the inverse of that, something that we did really well was not reacting. And I think if you watch, a, like even on that game three where Brody takes two balls and gets two kills, we don't counter back at him. Um, we just eat our outs and we say, okay, we're going to have a ball advantage. Now we're going to go kill the people we want. Um, and then the very next game, we do counter back two balls and Brody gets a catch and we miss. And so then, you know, I think our discipline in a lot of those situations, um, like I told Frank pretty much going into game one, uh, hey, Brody's going to kill you probably every game. Don't throw. Um, and we were just like, we were just okay with eating that out and playing six, five with four balls. Um, so yeah, like Brody uh, went six for seven with a catch on the rush. We went two for three when we threw. We also threw a catch. Um, so like those are the rush numbers. He was really effective. But the good thing for us is we were going out of that when Brody's effective on the rush. We didn't let them get the balls back a lot. And then we were really effective in our set plays afterwards. So it kind of neutralized it. I guess, I guess the counter would be how often do you feel like you would convert on those counters and tr basically create positive trades. You know, in that match, you did it all day and it was great. Well, well you we feel like that's we, a consistent. We actually did thing? though. We, we lost the one time we tried to get the counters and I would oh, actually like, we not don't necessarily the counter, but the trade that happened, you know, essentially the trade that you basically. Oh, well, got I mean, Frank and. I mean, I would say if you give our team four balls and there's six people on the back line, so we have four balls, they have two, six people, not a lot of room to move. I feel like on that first exchange, being able to double someone, we're going to hit 85% of the time. Like when there's six players back there, like you have a really hot, like as long as you don't throw at a ball, like if you have good middles or, or good arms, like it's really hard not to get an out then. There's not a lot of places to move at 8.5 from 20 feet. Mm -hmm. So I want to, oh, go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, uh, speaking of movement, um, from what I saw, um, you could say like Heat was being more accurate or Heat was hitting more of their shots, but I think um, we might have seen like the opposite. It was just like um, Crisis just seemed to not want to get out of the way and Heat really valued getting out of the way. And so like you could say like maybe one team's being more accurate, but I just think it's, I think it was more one team was being more mindful of like getting out of the way. And that's what it seemed like to me. Well, that goes back a little bit to what you were talking about, Sean, last week, where you said a lot of your players come from foam and they just become, they're just a little bit more agile players. They're a little bit better at dodging possibly just because that their background comes from foam and that's much more of a dodging sport than it is in 8.5. So I wonder if that factored into it as well. I, I wanted to mention that, um, I feel like the context leading up to the final match might be interesting because um, Crisis was super effective on the rush against um, Rise and Rise kind of crumbled. Like, I think there were two games where they either kicked the ball over on the rush or they left the ball at the line. Like, which those are like, like such big rookie mistakes. And and so I think the rush really had them uh, phased and, and just kind of off their game. And I wonder if just kind of how easy, I think it was, what was it, 4-1, 4-0, 4-1? Um, 
and just how easy that was maybe like kind of gave crisis the idea that they were just going to steamroll and so when they got to the finals and encountered a team that was prepared and wasn't kind of cracking under the pressure they were like oh crap like we haven't had to like fight this hard yet in this tournament like what do we do and before they could figure it out it was over and that's the counterpoint to what i was saying earlier is like you know less matches for heat or less matches for crisis versus more matches for heat but also could be the other side saying that's a positive we've had been more battle tested we've had to figure more things out where we struggled a little bit more than the other team did so i wonder if that factors in as well um i don't know if either of those teams were like super battle tested beforehand though like uh, i feel like crisis went in um they won most of their matches like four one four two I feel like Heat went into the finals winning most of their matches 4-1 or 4-2. So I don't even think either of them were tested for that to be like a legitimate excuse. Like Heat's hardest game was clutch mode 4-3. After that, it was like 4-1, 4-1. Good point. And for our purposes today, right, we have kind of created a tournament that has only the top teams. And so maybe as we think about this match, thinking about both of these teams being tested much more along the way and like who does that benefit right um one uh one thing i wanted to do and i forgot who said it um i think it was uh sean i think there, there was some kind of mention he was our crisis was saying well if they took their outs they they would lose and then um vaughn you cracked me up because i think you're like yeah drama stir the pot um I do want to go there, though, um, because Joe says a good point. Um, he says there was one game with a heat catch that was controversial on whether it was valid, and that changed the momentum of the of the match. Um, I know I remember that vaguely. Um, does anybody know what, what he might be referring to, though? Was it um, was that the uh, Cedro catch? Yeah, game yeah. one, there's a bad call. They should they should have won game one. Uh, Cedro, they throw Ryan and Tad throw two balls at Cedro and one hits him and he catches the second one. And then like when you watch the video after, like the one that hits him, grazes his shoulder and hits the net before he secures the catch. So we ended up in a two on one there that we close out and it would have been me versus Ryan and Tad instead. Um, which I think is probably like a crisis win 75, 80% of the time. So yeah, that, that definitely is a, is a big difference. Like, I think, that when I look back at the match, that that play and then um, the one you mentioned earlier, the in game five, the pop up catch that Dylan makes on Ketchum, that that same series of plays, Pyan thinks Ketchum still alive and ends up like sacrificing himself to try to keep like save Ketchum from Vince, um, even though Ketchum's already out. And so like if that doesn't happen, that game goes very different. Um, so like I don't know I. The the whole like if they took their outs it would be different thing, like I coming from Ketchum at this point in time is it means nothing to me. Um, I've watched that video more than watch any dodgeball video ever, and I think there's uh, one time where someone points at Vince at the front line and he goes out shortly after, and one time they points at Vince on the back line, uh, and. In the video, it doesn't look like the Brett hit is even close to Vince, but those are, I don't, I don't know. I, dodgeball is a tough game to watch on film, but I, I think that that's counterproductive as a conversation, personally. Yeah. Um, 
just going back to like one one so seven matches in theory at this point i think what louis said like you you know this is supposed to be a tournament of the best of the best so at what point do you just write off okay we had a bad game but the match isn't over yet let's just move on so that's just a point i wanted to bring up um i don't know if that applies to the matchup that we're looking at this 2020 year but um it's just something that I, I wanted to kind of address because I, I heard you guys talking about like you know what let's let's revisit that real quick because um, yeah I, I disagree I think you just got to shake it off at this point. I yeah Steve I totally agree with you and I think that the the Cedro catch I think you could you could put that in the category of bad luck like there was six referees watching that game and they came together and they tried to figure it out and they it was close enough that they decided to go with the catch. And, and I think that that probably would have happened regardless of which team and which player it was involved with. So like, I, I call that just bad luck. Um, so like, I, I feel like the, the cheating argument doesn't apply there at all. And then the Justin Payan situation later where he trades, cause he thinks that catch him is alive. That's also like bad luck, you know, for him not knowing that Ketchum had been caught. Um, I mean, if if there are other plays that are like contentious, like sure, but like like you said, I like with a best of seven, I mean, like cheating is not gonna do it. You know, like a four, what was it, four one, four zero? Like cheating's not gonna get you a four zero sweep. Um, I mean, maybe it will, but Hopefully not with six refs watching the game. And, and yeah, I was gonna say it has to be some really, really bad refing for that to happen. And uh, you know, Joe was on one of that. He was on part of that squad, so I doubt that would have happened. But um, Joe, Joe wasn't refing that game. Says I was refing the championship match, but maybe he says I wasn't. Okay, I wasn't refing the championship match, but I had a great view of the back line. My bad. But um, I, anyway, I, I did want to add one thing that. Um, Crisis's lowest rating is in their chemistry category, and I think that perhaps this is an example of that where when stuff doesn't go their way, you know, there's not as much resilience as there as there are on other top teams, right? Um, you know, like when you feel like you've been slighted or when you feel like a ref made a bad call, are you able to regroup the next game? And one of our questions for tonight is like who is the leader of crisis like who's the person who brings the guys together and says hey forget about that catch it was a bad call we're the better team let's regroup let's do our thing like who do you guys think i'll I mean, say think, mine because i've been talking a bit i think the obvious one is catch is the leader of the team but i think in terms of experience and in terms of being in finals and knowing where and what should happen, Payan probably should be the leader. But I think the outward perception from my perspective is that Ketchum's the leader. I mean, you guys play the West a lot more, so you guys have a better sense of who's the leader of that team. Um, what do you guys think? I think Payan is the more natural leader of that team. Um, but I also don't think that they're going to be in a situation where he's telling Brody or Ketchum, you know, stop, let's try something else. So 
I think that takes away from that leadership quality and maybe that goes over to catch him. I mean, so I've from, when, oh, when they like make strategy adjustments uh, and stuff like that, I've always seen it coming from high end. As, as far as like a, who's going to center compose the team, I, I don't know the answer to that, but I, I think from a bro to do this, catch him, do this, this is what we need to do perspective. It's like, like I've seen pie in historically. Hey, I said this earlier, but I feel like Ketchum is kind of the volatile, like fire, fiery kind of leader, and Payan is maybe the cooler, like calmer of the two. Um, but I do f think that sometimes Payan gets tilted, and and then and Ketchum is like ready to go with him once he's tilted. Like they're both like, "Oh, this, this is totally wrong." And um, I I think we we discussed this earlier, but like Brett Brett has a very strong like leadership quality mm -hmm. and and ryan is a really good stabilizing force on a team too and and even tad tad like speaks up and tries to rally the guys so like i feel like they have like a lot of different inputs but like i think the question is really valid like who who puts an end to like kind of a, a like a breakdown of team morale and i think that was clearly what i mean in the video it seems like that's what happens a lot to them in that match they seem to get very annoyed by the calls and they seem to almost give up and you sort of wonder why isn't there someone there to just say let it go let's move on we've got you know three more games to win you know three more games before they beat us or five more games four more games for us to win there's six more games left in the match like let's let this one go and i just want to say one more thing about that play that we're talking about we've all watched it now like five or six times and we're still in debate of whether it was a catch and an out, you know, like uh, it's not, it's not, it's not sure, but I'm just saying it's not like unbelievably obvious. You have to watch it in slow motion to basically decide whether the ball hits the net first before he catches it. You know, it's easy yeah, to but, say I mean, when you watch more it. Importantly, like towards the cheating aspect, there's absolutely no way for a Seager to know being on the court, not knowing 100%. where the net is. There's a hundred, like there's no possible way for a Seager. So I don't know why that's a, like, yes, it's a bad call. It's unfortunate. I, I don't disagree. They should have got to game one. I, If they feel a type of way about that, I respect it and understand it. But I don't understand where that invokes cheating. Yeah, I mean, you could go the other way, too, because it wasn't a clear shot on Isidro. So had Isidro stayed in, would anyone have really questioned it? You right. know, maybe not, out. but he right. took himself out of the game. He walked off. Like, I feel like he was taking his out. He has no idea what's happening behind him. So. Well, the good thing is, in this hypothetical tournament, there are no bad calls. Everything is clean as day, or clear as day, excuse me. So, but those are, that is a good point. And then um, I just wanted to read what uh, Joe said in response to who he feels is the more leader-ish leader leader of, uh, of the team. It's, it's Payan, and I'm, I'm sure he's basing that off of Echo. I would agree. Um, also, welcome, Dizzle. How you doing, man? But um, let's move on to... Well, I guess, can we all collectively agree that we don't really know if there is one central lead on this team? It just varies. Is that fair to say? Yeah. So let's uh, let's see if we can answer that with Keith. So um, what, what are your thoughts, Sean? You just want to fess up who your leader is or give us some insight? Um, 
I, I don't know. It it just depends on the on the thing. Um, I talk the most, um, but I think like you know, if you guys have ever hung out with Dylan, Dylan is like Dylan doesn't get stressed about anything ever. Like Dylan is the coolest player. It doesn't matter how high stakes it is. He's never losing his composure. So like same like same thing with Isidro. Like those two guys like are very. Uh, me and me and Vince can both get really worked up on the wings and like you know they like are everything's cool we're not arguing we're not doing this like those two guys always like keep us there they're always the ones who like in between games if someone's stressed out they're talking um so I mean I probably I'd probably go with Dylan and Isidro yeah from an outside perspective I would probably agree with that maybe even in some instances Tyler um I think Vince is definitely the hype man um, of the group, like the, the soul of the group. But I, mean, I think Tyler's the emotional one. Tyler's like the one who's like getting down on himself and you have to pick up. Like Tyler's the one you gotta like stay in his head. Be smart. We got it. Don't don't beat yourself up. Yeah. I think that's the one thing about Heat is that um like for example, um I've seen Sean throw a lot of catches. Um and they're not always bad catches. Like Sometimes it's the right play. It just gets caught. And um, I never really see, like, Heat guys, like, yell at Sean, like, stop throwing. Like, don't do that. What are you doing? Like, it's always, like, it's cool, man. Like, you'll get it next time. Or, like, good throw. Like, it got caught, but it was still a good throw. There's such thing as throwing a good ball. It just gets caught. I think that happens to Sean a lot. I don't know. Um, Actually, just... you know, I, ne- I never thought about that, but I don't think I got yelled at for throwing a catch once last year. Yeah, like, I mean, I, against <laughs> us, like, I don't know. I think you threw, like, four um and never did i see like your teammates like basically try to sub you out or tell you to get out of the game and so like i know it's, i know it's funny but like it, it's just shows kind of like to what he was saying about like um dylan and isidro and you know just their whole team all together like um whenever something happened like anyone could have thrown a catch they always seem like good job like it was the right play i don't think they're ever caught doing the wrong play and even if one of them does make the wrong play I think they're um, good about communicating, like, hey, you know, maybe next time try this, whereas um, maybe some other teams, uh, someone makes the wrong play, and then, like, you see, like, everybody, like, berate that player, like, what are you doing? Like, why would you do that? I just, I, I don't do that same thing with you. Yeah, the only thing I found funny about that was just naturally be against clutch mode that all these catches are happening, so I thought that was a little bit ironic, but... Um... There are there are second-rate catching teams, so I'm not, I'm not upset with that. I was um, going to say, you know, we, we've talked about Heat having the most depth, and I wonder if that also factors into your depth, the fact that there's sort of a lot of leaders on your team, and a lot of people do, you know, it's the same sort of thing we talked about. If one person goes out, it still doesn't, you guys don't care, you'll trade any of your players for better players on the other team, because you sort of feel like the depth on your team is so good, and I feel like that's probably goes into your leadership factor as well, that all of you do sort of different things in terms of leadership for your team, you know, whether it's Vince hyping people up, you calling plays, you know, Dylan being calm and keeping everyone collective, like that kind of stuff just shows sort of that there's a depth in that factor as well. Sean, did you guys, did you guys have any like rough spots as a team last year? Like, was there ever a point? Cause you're, you're a new group, right? It's the first year as a team. Like, did you guys ever have a point where you're like, ugh, like this is hard. Uh, the fortune loss round one was tough. Um, yeah, cause we were, we were up 2-0 and 
and we just made some bad mistakes. Like Ty- Tyler and Vince made some dummy dummy plays um, that kind of like let you guys back in, and then you guys just beat us in the in the later games. Um, so that was definitely tough. Um, but I think like the next tournament, we only had six people. And I think that that was actually like really good for us. Cause what it did was it like, there wasn't a, Oh, we're not sure of our roster. This person's playing bad, sub them out or whatever. It was just like, these are the six guys we got. We're playing them all day. We, like, I think every best of like best of that s- series went seven. Like we put, I played more dodgeball that weekend than I ever had. And, um, yeah, I think like just like taught us to like trust each other and like helped a lot of our communication around like I mean we can't change it, we can't sub people out, so just like let's figure out how to how to improve it when we make mistakes. But I think like that um I think that was like the last time things like felt bad. <laughs> yeah, cuz even when we when we lost to Anarchy at round 3, we threw a ton of catches. We literally just walked away and we're like, "Man, they played an f- amazing game." Like we weren't Good job, guys. Like that was all we had to say about it. One uh one question after you, Lou. I mean, as coach of Team USA, I mean, you you've pretty much coached like what half, three fourths of these guys. I mean, just from your perspective, who would you say, looking at both Crisis and Heat, where would you look at the leadership uh, portion? I, I want to get back to that real quick before we moved on. Hmm. That's a good question. I, I will say I'm here not as a representative of Team USA, but but just a fan of dodgeball in general. Um, I, the politician. <laughs> I, I, yeah. um, it's interesting. I mean, I feel like 8.5 does something. It changes. It changes something. Things are not the same. Um, but I mean, I don't know. It's it's funny. I I feel like in seven inch foam, Andrew is 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 just so dominant, and like the way he plays is is so suited to that format that he's able to walk the walk and talk the talk. Whereas in eight point five, I think it is more of a team game, and because of that, I think more team strategies required and and that needs to be part of the leadership and so i think that you know i think that that comes into play so honestly i feel like a guy like justin should be like like taking the reins and becoming like the leader of crisis um on on heat like I think Vince to me is like kind of like the natural leader. Like he's been there, done that, um, and kind of has all those qualities. But but like Sean said earlier, I think a lot of different guys bring a lot of things to the table, and I think it's ideal when you have a lot of people contributing to like the overall culture of a team. Um, and I I love what you said about Dylan and and that. That was a big part for Team USA, right? Is just having Dylan in there, and you know, Dylan was a part of that championship match and turning it around for us when we were down 0-2. Like he had like four outs and a catch in the third game, and really just turned the match around. And he's just he's such a steadying force. So I think there's a lot of guys with great leadership on these teams, and 
just kind of how you put those pieces together and how the team culture comes together is, is really interesting and fascinating. Gotcha. Well, it's definitely something, uh, I mean, because I like what, I think, was it Chris that you'd mentioned, like being able to find resilience when, when things aren't going well and uh, how that all factors in. So yeah, as, as we move on in both recaps of real dodgeball and also this make-believe stuff, that's definitely something that I feel like would be a, a big factor that we might want to look into again when we do these ratings. But um, if we're ready to move on past the leadership portion. So um, is this your note, Lou? Do you want to talk about like what do teams look like when their top players are knocked out the 4v4 scenario? Sure, yeah. I mean, something I always like, I don't know why I like doing this, but I just love doing this. I love imagining like the starting six on a team and then just wiping away the top two players on each roster and just kind of thinking about like end game scenarios. Like what do you do when like trades happen? What do you do when the dust settles? And and like sometimes that helps me like decide who's gonna win a match is like and, and also to assess depth, right? And so if we kind of remove Isidro and Vince from Heat uh, and we kind of assemble a starting roster from the remaining guys, Heat has a lot of players, but um, we have Sean, Dylan, Tyler Greer, and Frank. Um, if we remove uh, Andrew Ketchum and Justin Payan from Crisis and we kind of assemble a starting roster from the rest of the guys, we're left with Brody Johnson, Ryan Morris. Brett Baxter, Tab DeLugo. And and yeah, like I, I'm curious, like what do you guys think about those players? Like if those players did a 4v4, is one of them a favorite? Against any other team, if uh, you got Ryan, Brett, and Tad rallying around the wrecking machine that Brody is, it'd, it'd be a bad day. Against Sean, Dylan, Tyler, and Frank, I, I don't know. That's... But so it's almost as bad as like the full roster against each other, in my opinion. I I was one thing I was like very surprised about. I was doing some some stats on the finals match from last year, and outside of uh, game four where Brody just takes over, R Ryan was actually Crisis's most effective player. He was like their only player who was hitting shots in uh, uh, like set offense, and he has uh, quite a few really good counters. Uh, I think he ends up with like six or seven kills across the five games, which I think Brody only has more because he has five in one game. But yeah, just something to think about. Well, that's what I mean. So like if you've got everyone's focused on the big hand, which is Brody, I know Ryan's taking shots at people and just taking them off and just, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts. And you got Brett um, falling back into a more strategic, uh, utilize patience, wait them out, wait for them to make a mistake and then, you know, Tad, I, I feel it's a little bit closer to Ryan, a little more sneaky, you know, don't snooze on him or, or you'll pay for it. Um, but that's, that's again, you know, you, you keep Brody in the center, maybe he's teeing off against people and, and Ryan, Brent, and Tad kind of, you know, do the, all the damage control. But um, it's yeah, kind of I, think, argument, so. I think knowing what they know now after playing them and seeing that from Ryan is that now they wait for, Brody to be Brody, they stay alive and then they focus on Ryan because I think they have that experience now that they've learned from that. So in this situation, I'm taking heat. I just think they're 
a little deeper here, and I think they're going to play smarter. Um, Brody might try and do um, too much, and they lose ball control or something, and that's where Heat is going to thrive. Um, before we move past like four on four, like the, the thing when you read off those four names for Heat, like are we sure Asidro is their second best player in eight point five? Because I wouldn't say that at all based on Clutchwood's match against them and based on what I watched. I think, I, honestly, for me personally, I might put like Vince and Sean or um, Vince and Frank. No, I don't know. It's hard. And that's the, the hard part about Heat is like, I think Vince is an 8.5 player. You could say he's definitely a top two player on Heat. Um, but picking like the second best player on Heat is extremely hard for me in 8.5. And I don't think it's a Cedro though. Like it could be Sean, it could be Dylan, it could be. So uh, that's the hard part. It's like, do you guys agree that Isidro is their second best 8.5 player? Not foam, not nose thing, but 8.5. I would probably agree that Isidro is on the court in this scenario. I, I also think, Lou, just to modify your premise a little bit more, because I think if it gets to these four people, I think that this is what our goal was last year, was to get Pine and catch him off the court and and we will win that 44 uh and we did i think the better question is crisis adapts some and they keep us from getting both of those guys off early so they take out vince we take out one of them and then you take out one of our other guys and we take out ryan or brett or maddox which is what actually happened a little bit more then like if one of those two guys is still in and it's 4v4 i think that that becomes the the real question we want to look at so now you're saying it's catch him brody right or Brett catch him brody or pie and brody yeah brett and Tom, tad yeah. yeah i mean that's a that's a totally different foursome that we're talking about um do we um do you want to dig into this a little bit more? Because it kind of veers off into, I think, pathways of victory. Unless, uh, Lou, you got anything to, to add about that for? Or... I'm, I will. I do think Lou's point is right. I mean, I mean maybe beyond the East Coast, the Seager wasn't the best player in 8.5. I don't know why he won the West MVP and was an all-star if he wasn't a good player or like was a top-level player. He was absolutely dominant in open nosting all year he was the best nosting player in the country all year and we they rated mvp off of both ball types okay they just did so well in nosting well we won enough at 8.5 and isidro was good and then we won i think every round at nosting and isidro was had double the next kills of anyone on our team at nosting So I think that was why he won MVP. Fair. Well, what do you think? Should we move into the pathways to victory and kind of use the above four before as a model, or? And just just leave the four before behind. Let's just keep moving forward. <laughs> uh, let's see. So. Actually, Lou, I mean, this is your thing. Let's, let's, why don't you just go ahead and walk us through Crisis Pathways to Victory. I got you. So if Crisis wins, these are the things that need to happen. Brody needs to be super effective on the rush. Um, he's got to be able to hit people on that first shot. If he hits people on the first shot, he's got the green light to go for the second. He needs to draw like oncoming throws so that they're just not 
ending up without any balls. And in the case last year, in the one game that Crisis won in the championship, Brody made a great catch on Sean. Um, which cannot be left unsaid. Uh, so Brody needs to be great on the rush. Crisis needs to be efficient on in offense outside of the rush in the transition plays. Uh, this is something that Sean brought up, but um, just being able to produce kind of in those half-court sets when the game slows down and when there's not as many kind of reaction plays, as Chris mentioned. Um, accuracy. Like, accuracy is a big part of that. Efficiency, accuracy. Brody... Brody is super effective, like on the rush and in like kind of transition plays, but like, can he convert with his throws in the half court? Um, does crisis crisis needs big contributions from kind of the role players, you would call them like the Ryans, the Bretts, the Tads, the Maddoxes. Um, so they need contributions from the guys outside of their top two. Um, they need health. Right. If they're going to make it to the championship game, everybody needs to be healthy. There can't be any nicks, bruises, no injuries. Um, Steve mentioned a mysterious injury that Pyan had. I was unaware, but Pyan needs to be healthy. Um, and can crisis adjust if the Brody rush isn't working? Um, you know, like what's their plan B? And then one other point that I would like to add to this is like, can they rally if they get psyched out or if things go against them, right? That, that needs to happen if, if they are going to win a best of seven match. So those are Crisis's pathways to victory. Nice. Yeah, I sniped that last one. And it's just, okay, if, um, you know, Brody's not hitting, can they just rethink their strategy and just alter their, their rush just a little bit? Um, who wants to take the uh, Heat's Pathways to Victory? Well, why don't you do it? It's your team. I think that's fair. Um, so, adherence to the game plan, weathering the storm against Brody and Ketchum's aggression, um, which I think, as I mentioned earlier, a big part of that is... Uh, knowing when not to take the shot that seems like it's the right play um, and being able to do those calculations around, maybe I can hit Ryan or Brody right now, but if I wait, maybe I can get Ketchum or Pyan. Is that more valuable? Um, timely trades against Crisis's top players, which I think factors into the same thing. And again, weighing who, who you want out versus who you don't mind playing against. Um, and then playing carefully, avoiding mistakes against Pion on the back line. As I said, we hit Pion um, pretty, I think we hit him like four out of five throws around the knee area, um, which I think are balls that, you know, given more games, he, he probably starts dropping a little bit more, making some catches on a few of those. Um, so the idea that it would be as easy as it was last time is uh, probably out the window. And, you know, if even one of those outs we get on pie and turns into a catch, it changes the entire makeup of the game where we have one of their best players out early versus one of our better players is out and they have ball control and pie and is not gone. Um, I feel like crisis needs to make more adjustments 
or has more pathways to victory versus heat. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm looking at these bullet points. Does anybody else agree or disagree that heat just kind of needs to basically, like you just said, Sean, uh, assume you're not facing off against the same crisis and then just stick with the system? Is that essentially it? Um, I, like, like I said, I mean, I don't know. I think, you know, the same thing we said about crisis rise could be said in, in this situation. Their top-end talent is greater than ours. They have bigger arms. Um, they, they have the probably the best two players on the court. Um, so, you know, Lou's situation of getting to 4v4 without those two players is, is our ideal scenario. But you have very little things that turn the tide for us last game that, you know, if they're, they're not as easy um, or, you know, we hit, I think nine out of 15 of our set throws and they hit two out of 10. Uh, so that's like a 60% versus 20%. And if those numbers come closer to 40 and 40, you know, uh, one or two of the games probably go the other way. So I don't, I don't know if it's as simple as saying like, just stick to the plan. Like we, we have a plan, but when you have a, you know, we're in the finals of like all these, you know, really great dodgeball teams. Any one of them can beat you. Any one of them can have things go their way. Uh, so like, yeah, we have our plan, but I don't know if that means we win it. Right. Um, I guess I was going to add something. Um, I have a question first. Um, who would we say were like the top two strategy teams coming into um, this tournament? Top two, top three, maybe. Would we say Heat is one of them? I think Heat's one of them. Would we sure. say Rise is one of them? I would, yeah. Assuming they don't adjust their game plan too much to their new team that's drastically different, I think we could rely on them consistently being a, one of the top strategical teams. Justin, you had a question? Sorry. I was going to say, when you say strategy, do you mean strategy and adjusting for other teams or strategy as in we have a strategy for our team and we we hit that strategy and play it the way we want it to be played i guess it it can or is it a combination both. of both i guess yeah a combination of both because i would say anarchy is one of the teams in the country that has probably the best strategy in terms of we know exactly how we want to play and we play that strategy the whole way do they adjust for other teams i don't think they necessarily adjust sometimes for other teams but they definitely have a strategy and they have a way they're going to play and they stay that course the entire way Okay. I would say Anarchy's in that list. They were going to be my third pick, too. Cool. Yeah. So, like, we could probably all agree that those three are, like, three pretty good, you know, tactical strategy teams. And so I guess I would say, like, uh, something on the positive for Crisis, because honestly, I feel like we've said everything that Crisis does bad today. Um, I'd say, like, if we're saying that they beat Rise 4-2, um, and Rise would probably be, like, one of the teams that had some sort of, like, big strategy or big you know adjustment moving into this game like they probably had a plan they wanted to execute if they got through um rise i think this crisis team um would be way more open to um strategize to beat heat maybe um so we gotta just think about that when we think about like our prediction our predictions for this matchup is that this crisis team has planned a lot because they were able to get past rise in order to move into this uh, heat finals so that's just something i wanted to us to think about before we made our predictions the other thing i wanted to say and i don't know if we've talked about it is 
you know, through Nationals, Crisis didn't lose a match until Heat in the finals. They swept round one. They swept round three. So basically, Catchem only lost one match in 8.5 all year. So, like, you know, do we say this is, you know, maybe just the worst game they played all year? Just happened to come in the finals? Uh, do we say that, you know, Heat just matched up better against them and just beat them? But why wouldn't Heat have beaten them? The, you know, I guess you got you must, must have played in playoffs round one, round three. You lost them in open or in round robin in, in round two without catch them. That was the only time we played them all year. So this is the second time you guys played. We played them in the round robin game and then we played them in finals. So you were one and one and you beat them in the finals. I mean, I, I do think that we should factor in the fact that this team. Catchem essentially only lost one match all year long. And, you know, whether it's smart or not, they definitely were tilted for some reason in that finals match. I mean, you have to factor in, they definitely seem to have sort of get tilted. Whether they should have not, should have or shouldn't have, I think you have to factor that in. The other thing is, I, you know, you sort of, in other sports, You've had these, you know, amazing comebacks. You know, like I was listening to a podcast today with this about the Spurs and how how much they were affected by losing to the Heat in uh, 2013 and how they came back on redemption tour for 2014 to win. You know, Parker, Ginobili, and Duncan considered retiring, and because they wanted to come back. And you know, does Crisis take what they learn from that and use it? Um, do they take it and use it to like help themselves get better? And that's a, that's the other question I have for them as well. So I've got comments that kind of echo that, but I'm going to wait until the prediction part because that's that's kind of my my piece. So, but I think those are really good points that both you and Chris are bringing up. Did we lose Lou? You said he got timed out. He got absorbed into the uh, the bracket. <laughs> His family was waiting, so he had to bounce. That's what he said in the Zoom chat. Gotcha. Oh, that kind of turned out. Okay. Well, maybe he can message us his uh his pick. So you put it in the chat. Well, I guess um, I mean. I guess we can kind of just go into the the panel's predictions. So um, I did want to give an honorable prediction just because she hit me up on Instagram, which is hilarious. Brenda Kramer, she says, uh, I'm, I'm calling it a reheat four to three. And uh, I just wanted to embarrass her real quick with that. But that was hilarious. But um, all right. So I guess we'll just go down the line. Um, my prediction would be four to two crisis wins. But and there's a, there's a huge but, and that is, uh, kind of what you're saying, Justin, like that that was the only 8.5 round or, or match that they lost the entire weekend. Uh, they came in thinking they're going to steamroll everybody. And for the most part, they, they did, minus a, a few matches here or there. I think when they met Heat, they met a team that could actually um, obviously stand up to and beat them. So my, my prediction would be, um, can they be pissed off for the entire season? Like, do they, do they want to be an 8.5 champion enough? Um, they already took no sting. 
they're clearly phenomenal players, but is that like hunger there for the entire year to the point where they're training to the level that Ketan trains? So I, I train in the same gym under the same trainer as, as, um, as Ketan does and good Lord, this man is possessed. So can he inspire that with his teammates to get better and just like how bad do they hold that, that grudge, so to speak, if they hold on to that, then I feel like they they can definitely win. Um, if that's the case, then I would see them approaching high heat with a much different, um, like, I don't know, m- mental agility, I guess, where they're, okay, we tried the Brody rush, that didn't work, let's try something else, let's just slow down. Because most of the time, playing with Ketchum, the scariest thing is when he's actually being uh, deliberate. And um, you see it in Echo. Um, you see Payan able to utilize uh, Ketchum with Brett, and they're a completely different team than what I was used to seeing when I played with Ketchum on Titan. And so I'm kind of basing off that. Like, I have seen catch him rally his team i have seen him dig deep and pull this awesome captain leadership peace of mind presence uh it pulled us from the losers bracket all the way to second place in 2016 with titan so if we can get that out of him and he can inspire that with his guys i, I actually do see them overtaking heat for it too so but again that's i, I can speak to catch him i see him in the gym all the time i don't i can't speak for his players they just have to really want it and if they do and the outcome for me would be four two crisis. So that's my piece. Vaughn, what do you think? So I have this as a four three game, um, and it's very close. It's very tough. On the Instagram poll, I actually picked crisis, um, but I think I'm going to change that because I think Heat has the experience from last year. I think their depth is bigger. And I think their chemistry is better. And I think those are the things that you build championships around. Um, so I know Ketchum is a dominant player, but I I just think that there's a lot there and it's very hard for me to go against him. But it's very close. Like I said earlier, I picked Crisis on Instagram. and But I'm going to reverse that decision and go 4-3. I think, I think that's what... Um, you know, they say defense wins championships, and I think they're a better defensive team than, than Crisis. And like I said, depth is better, in my opinion. Chemistry is um, better, in my opinion. Right, so, but it's tough. It's tough. What do you think, Chris? Last <clears throat> What's your last? Uh, this is extremely difficult. Um, you know, it's really hard for me to not crisis um as everyone said um the top level talent you know i think a couple years ago i think pine was the best 8.5 player in the country i think right now um ketchum is the best 8.5 player in the country um i think they have good supporting cast um i think ryan morris is super underrated um i've played against him before and like the first time i played against the 8.5 um dude had me like jumping around like i was like a rabbit like i just always thought he was about to throw or like he was like so aggressive he would get up in like my personal space and i was super uncomfortable um and so like it, it's um the talent there is just ridiculous um i think if they use their players um to the, like the max effectiveness for their like team strategy i think they they should win this game um if they're using ryan morris right if they're using i think if they're throwing from the middle like 
and they're using more than just Brody because Brody's um, pretty inaccurate. Um, if they're worried more about accuracy and getting people out, I think they should win. Um, but like, I have this thought in my head that like, for some reason, I just don't see them executing. Um, and that's the problem with them is that if they don't execute versus Heat, Heat's the one team that will like take advantage of each one of their mistakes. Um, I don't think Heat ever gets flustered. I think most teams, when they lose the crisis, they already lose the mental battle going in because they're so intimidated by those players that um, it already takes them out of their game before they even step foot on the court. I think Heat's like one team that goes into there and they really don't care who's across from them. Like, I don't think Vince is scared of Payan or or um, Ketchum. I don't think Sean is. I don't think any of those guys are. They think they can get out of the way of all those balls. And so um, I think it's gonna, I think it's a close game. Um, but I, I personally think he will win this one um, four to four to three. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's a hard choice. Um, I think he, though, with the quick triggers, I feel like they're um, like Sean um, might not throw the hardest, but Sean has like a quick release. He can counter people very well. Um, I think if Brody exposes himself, Sean can hit him with a quick counter. Um, I think Frank, when he throws, you can't it's hard to tell where he's throwing he is like he opens up very wide um and like you don't know if he's going to release it to the right or to the left or straight in front of him um and you know everyone on their team is very accurate so they're going to hit their player every time that they're going for i don't think crisis can do the same thing i think they're going to miss a lot and you can't do that against heat so what did you say you four you said four three heat yeah four three heat steve do you want to read Lose. Lose. Yeah. Well, so just to lose. clear something up, Sean has admitted to being afraid of Mike McGee and Matt Levine. Already. Oh, yeah. I'm afraid <laughs> of McGee, Matt Levine, Billy. I'm playing in front of catching one. I'm scared of everyone. Like, here's the thing, though. Sean is. The rest of my team isn't it, but I am. I think the thing is Sean isn't lined up against Ketchup or Pine, and that's the, the good thing for the uh, for Heat is that Sean is lined up in front of Ryan Morris. And I mean, as good as Ryan is, I don't think Sean isn't as intimidated by Ryan Morris as he is as like Ketchum or Payan or maybe someone else. So I think that works out perfectly for Heat too. Huh. My turn? I actually laughed when, uh, when you mentioned that. Like, I am afraid of Mike McGee. Um, yeah, I, everyone is, everyone's obsessed with that. I'm scared of so many players. 8.5 hurts, man. I don't want to be afraid of that. Well, Steve, uh, you want to read, okay. Sean? You want to read Luz? Yeah, I'll- I'll read Lou's. So Lou, he said, uh, Heat 42. He says, Heat has shown me more resiliency and versatility. Uh, I need to see drastic changes from Crisis before I can confidently pick them to win this matchup. And so I, I totally agree with the drastic changes. That's why I preface mine with a lot of ifs. Like everything mentally has, like they just have to want this enough. And I feel like if they did, it would be uh, not a sweep, but it, you know, be a 4 2 over pretty bearing win. But, um, Back to Lou, though. Lou picks uh, Heat for two. Sean? Okay, so I have two two things I want to say. Um, so my pick is for Crisis, uh, and not necessarily because I think Crisis would be... I know that's what we're supposed to be doing, and but in my head, I, I went in... I was so excited about this season because I looked at the new teams out there, Rise reforming and Shred coming together and outsiders, outsiders getting a year older. And I was so excited because I looked around and like for years, it was like 
a two-headed dragon. We knew that Riders and Doom were going to be in the finals, and it was fucking boring. And I looked around this year, and I was like, man, there's six teams I legitimately think could win the national title this year. And I was so stoked to play so much dodgeball just because of that, just because, like, the storylines that would come out of it and, and getting the nationals and, and seeing all of it. And, you know, I knew when I saw that, that the more good teams you have, the more when I look around and I say that there's easily six, seven teams in the country that could be heat in a best of seven series, maybe they don't every time, but they could. Um, that tells me that your, your path to repeating is so hard. Um, and so I don't think, like, just from a statistical standpoint, the odds of repeating are very likely. I think that there's just too much talent in the in the dodgeball team pool currently. And, you know, I, we're matched up against Crisis in the finals, and I'm not going to pick us to repeat because I don't think repeating is likely. It's hard. Every team you ever hear who tries to repeat says how hard it is. Um, and, you know, maybe we lose the match to Crisis, maybe we lose the match to Anarchy, maybe we lose the match to Shred, but this is the one we're at. So I would pick us to lose. Uh, it kind of hurts my uh, heart a little bit to say we, we would lose to Crisis just because, like, a couple of the things Steve said about the comments that they've made about the championship match and stuff kind of just rubbed me the wrong way because I talked to a lot of those guys and I, you know, I haven't heard a peep about any of that from any of them directly. And I... I I think if I could get on a soapbox for a second, one thing I would say is that we all, I think as a community should like be just a little more like trusting of the people that were around all the time. It's such a niche community. Like, yeah, people are going to, you know, cheat sometimes, but more often than not, you know, you're 25 feet away. Maybe you aren't the big best judge of what's going on and maybe we should, you know, just move on from it. Don't beat yourself up and look at the game as, you know, and I think that what Steve was saying, that Crisis has to actually look in the mirror. They can't just say, Heat beat us because they cheated. If they do that, I do think we would beat them. And I, I think that those guys are responsible enough that they would look and say, hey, something they did beat us. And, you know, we're going to make some changes about that. They're going to fix some things. Um, they're going to be a little more accurate in the mid game, uh, keep their two top guys alive a little bit better, and, and they beat us 4 3. Sorry, go ahead, Steve. I was gonna say, I hope we don't get you in trouble with your team there, Sean. But uh, now that, that's a that's a pretty good, um, I guess, summary of, of where your thoughts are. And um, I actually wanted to tee you up with this, Justin, because Coella, uh, Joe, he, I think he kind of talks about the same themes that both me and Sean are thinking of. So Joe says, when you play Heat, you have to play with laser focus until the whistle blows and the game ends. The opposition can't lit off the gas. After that, they get players out. With that, I think Crisis can use that 2019 championship loss and play with that laser focus in a 42 victory. So um, it's good to hear that. I'm not crazy. But um, what do you think, Justin? So as of right now, we're at a 4-2 uh, in terms of picks. And I'm not going to break it. I, I think Crisis would win this match as well. I, I agree with basically everything you and Sean said. I think, you know, we're not bringing the, the, the dice into luck here again. You know, so like we said at the beginning, but I do think, you know, there's a possibility that, you know, Kovals go Crisis's way opposed to they going Heat's way. You know, that pop-up catch doesn't happen. The, you know, that catch that, that uh, Cedra makes the refs go the other way. You know, suddenly now everything sort of shifts a little bit differently 
the games, the teams are so close that just a little shift either way can push this match to either team's side. And I think, you know, if, if we're saying that crisis, I mean, or heat got those couple little calls to go their way that helped them win this time, I think crisis gets those couple calls and I think they probably win this one. Um, and I, I really do hope that the crisis would take their loss to heat personally, like we're talking about and say, you know, what do we need to do to play better? Whether it's being more accurate, maybe using Brody more as a decoy, whatever it ends up being, I hope they'd look at it and say, we need to change a couple things to beat them and use their strategy to do that. So, um, I guess that deadlocks us though. Um, and of course, Brett didn't show up tonight, so we are tied at 3-3. So I guess we go would... to IG poll. Yeah, we'll see what the people say. What um, minus Vaughn's vote, but um, what score do you think, Justin? What would you think? I mean, I feel like crisis matches go quicker than they do. Like if crisis is going to win, it's probably more close to a 4-2 match than a 4-3 match. I think in a 4-3 match, I think Heat wins because there's part of me just sort of feels like Crisis in a four three match in a three three tie gets their head their heads get in the way and they they might lose that four three match. So I would say a four two match for Crisis to win. You guys ever see uh, Rocky three? Yeah, I yeah, see something like that. I was born in the eighties. Of course, I saw it. Good man. Yeah, I just see you know. That what we, Rocky beats uh, Clubber Lane in what the second round. At that point, he's just kind of messing with them. You get that momentum, and Crisis will will kill you, I think. But again, lots of ifs, lots of scenarios that that have to change, and it all starts with their mentality. Do they want it enough to the point where they're going to train like Catching does? Because if they are, good lord. But um, that's not to say like it, I would be really curious to see how he would play out, knowing that you've got a team that's gunning for you all year long. Like that's, that's exactly why this tournament just needs to happen. So um, let me pull up the Instagram polls and we'll see if we'll get a tiebreaker. So, so right before we, right before we came on the stream, I checked the Instagram poll again and it was at 50, 50 and oh, part of me on. really hopes it's still at 50, 50, just, just to screw this whole thing up. While you guys are, um, Looking at, oh, could I make one more point? I don't know if this will change anyone's opinion or anything, but I just want to say it. Um, but I just wanted to kind of go into, like, what I think of Crisis. Um, I don't think that they um, lack a game plan. I think their game plan is more open flow. I think it's kind of um, Payan and, and Ketchum are going to do their thing because, obviously, those are, like, the two best players in the country. Everyone else around them has to kind of... Um, feed off of that and make the best plays that they think in the moment based on what Ketchum and Pine did. Um, I think they each understand their roles in that system, but I do think it is a little bit more um, harder to make the right play all the time um, in that system. They they got to like perfectly um, feed off of Ketchum and Pine against Heat. Um, and sometimes I think their um, role players um, kind of let me down. Um, I think Crisis is really good players after Pine and um, Pine and, and Ketchum, but I don't think, I think sometimes they're so used to Ketchum and Pine um, doing all the work or doing a lot of the work that when it's their time that they have to make big plays and stuff, 
they've been so dependent on the other two making all those big plays all the time that um that they're not ready to make the play in that moment because they've let the other two kind of dictate so much that they're not ready in the moment sometimes the role players in my opinion yeah no and that's i mean Except we saw for that. ryan morris i think ryan morris is pretty consistent um but the rest of them are pretty inconsistent personally to me um maybe like um maddox or you know some of those other guys are consistent catchers or defenders but um they don't do enough for me all the time um based on what i've seen them do when they're on their own team or when they're like the star player on their team like maybe in co-ed i see them do a lot more than i see them do on crisis yeah no, I, I agree chris i mean um you take away catchment pie and take away that safety blanket what do you want to call it um they scramble and i saw that last year um so again, part of the big if if crisis wins, they're all firing, they're utilizing all that talent. And I agree again with Ryan. That guy is just you get the same thing. Just do not sleep in that guy. Consistent as crap. So um if we were to even include Joe and Brenda, we're still deadlocked. So this really is gonna come down to what the people said. And so I'm just gonna re verify real quick just in case anything changed in the last 30 seconds. But right now it's 47% um, crisis, 53% heat. So if you chalk it up to the Instagram poll, you say he takes it, like that's our tiebreaker. All right. Well, that settles it. It's only yeah. taken us like four months to do this national championship. <laughs> We're on like podcast number eight, not what I guess. Steve, for me and you, it's we did four regions and now five. So this is our ninth podcast about national. What a drawn in. Remember when we thought this was going to be could. one? Remember when we thought this was going to be one podcast? I don't know yeah. why I thought that. Um, <laughs> huge, huge props to Nick Factor, and I think he like nailed it. Like you're going to spend one episode on. First round, then two on this round, and three, and then one just for the semifinals. Like, no, dude, I'm not, I'm not doing this this long. And then here we are in March. But uh, yeah, I guess because yeah, this was cool. supposed to be out at like Christmas, wasn't it? Wasn't it Christmas or was it New Year's? Oh my God, it was early. The original plan was to try to do it for Christmas before Christmas. Yeah, we just, uh, I mean, I had my little military adventures and then um, holidays and then. But what I noticed, and like I, I kind of want to start the conclusion with this, is this went from, like I said earlier, uh, an idea that Justin had that we were just kind of going off of a hypothetical birthday team matchup based off memory, based off of uh, not, not even scratching the amount of data that's been cold and put into the sheets. And, and even the flow has evolved from the first episode, nine episodes ago, to, to now. And I really feel like we have got an awesome template for future episodes. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm excited for the co-ed hypothetical if we're going to go there, the women's as well as uh, a draft. I mean, as long as we're not playing dodgeball, we'll still talk about it. But what came out of this, I think, is really going to lay the groundwork for some solid recaps when we actually have real dodgeball back. So, yeah, it was a process. It was a journey. But uh, I can't thank you guys enough for, for being a part of it and just adding something new each time to, to make this thing way cooler than, you know, well, I, mean, I feel like, you know, 
of Dynasty would win because they pinch and, and that's why they beat everybody in the north. Like I, I really like where this came from and the fact that it took this long just makes future ones easier. So um plus I had a lot of fun with the Instagram polls. Uh it's cool seeing people be engaged and uh still willing to talk about dodgeball even even though it's going on almost a year now without having played. But um I guess uh I guess we can just kinda wrap it up. I mean I know there was talk of a third place matchup. Um, I'm so ready to move past this. So what I think we can do is just chalk it up to an Instagram poll, just like as a see who would win. Uh, because I, I feel like, with the exception of us being deadlocked here, uh, our picks have coincided with with the polls every single time. So um, I feel confident that the people can pick a good third place, and then I could find out who actually won the bracket challenge, if anybody, or who came close, because. Even though it's March, I still owe somebody a hoodie. And if it's a Dell Amazon gift card, maybe it'll just be a t-shirt at this point. But um, I guess uh, around the table, you know, we'll, we'll kind of wrap up with like a closing thought. Um, that way you guys can, can get to bed. But uh, we'll start with you, Vaughn. So, I mean, looking back, you know, nine episodes ago, we were bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, a lot happier. Like, what are your thoughts now, just overall? How did you want to uh, wrap this up? Yeah, you were I mean, the first episode. Yeah, I'm just happy to, you know, be talking dodgeball. We can't play dodgeball or watch dodgeball. At least we have something. So it's been fun. Um, it's been it's been a little crazy, um, you know, all the prep work and everything that goes into it. But it's been fun. So I've really enjoyed it. Um, thanks for putting this together and thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, and it was, it was great talking to you, man. Like I said, it, it's I miss talking to you guys in the recaps. So this was a nice little way to steal that away from the jaws of 2020. Um, Sean, what you got? Uh, yeah, this is fun. Like I guess, like I was saying before, uh, super excited about you know where dodgeball is right now. I think there are a lot of really talented people. Um, I would, I think I would just impart one more time. Like we're all playing a game that we all learned to play as kids. Like let's, I think we can all leave some of the egos at home and still compete and still whatever. But you know. Be nicer, be kinder. That's it. Fair enough. Chris, how about you, man? Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be on here with um, some of the you know smarter players in the community. Not saying we're the only smart players, but I, I do feel each one of us on this panel brings something different to the table. And so it was nice to be able to um, agree on some things and challenge each other and other things. I think my perspective on certain players or certain teams has changed, um, even my own team. Um, so just seeing everyone else's perspectives and kind of um, molding it with my own, um, I think I've become a better player just through talking about this stuff. And I think I'm going to be able to um, share a lot more things with my team. I think you guys also, too, probably learned some things from this and are going to be able to bring some new information to your own teams. So I think that makes all of us better and everyone who's uh, kind of joined us on this journey. Um, I think they've all learned something. Um, I think not being here for the last couple of episodes, I actually got to like listen in and just kind of um, see maybe some gaps in like what we were talking about and just being able to make sure like when I came back onto the podcast for this episode that I could try to ask questions that maybe um, we didn't think about and or maybe just try to bring, you know, a different perspective about situation so um i appreciate you guys letting me back on um for this championship episode 
Yeah, absolutely, man. You, you definitely brought something unique to the table, and I, I can't quite put my, my my words to it. Some of it was a challenge in, in a good way to get us to think about other elements, but you're also very analytical that I noticed, and um, I could be more excited for future, you know, breakdowns, panels, stuff like that. And definitely appreciate you wanting to come on too, um, and, and and you know, give us your time and your input. Um, yeah, we, we had to end this one with you. So thanks for being flexible. And then um, last but not least, Justin, it's over. I, I mostly just want to thank uh, everyone who's been on this podcast with us. Uh, you know, it's a difficult position to put yourself out there. And, you know, in our community, there's times where you say stuff and people don't like it. So, you know, the fact that you guys all came on, came in with open minds, willing to say what you wanted to say. You guys, none. I don't feel like anyone held back in terms of opinions. So I'm really thankful for that. You know, this is just sort of like a weird brainchild of mine and stupid little thing I wanted to do. And I talked to Steven to letting me do it. And suddenly we were doing it. And uh, I love talking about hypothetical stuff. I love talking about dodgeball. I love talking with all of you guys. So uh, thank you to all you guys. And then also thank you, Steve, for creating this platform, for letting us be able to still talk about dodgeball. So yeah, you get that's that. it. Yeah, man. Um, well, well, thank you to everyone that tuned in. Um, sorry we deferred from the stream and are doing Facebook Live. I think uh, me and Justin will probably talk offline, figure out how we can do both, because I, I do love this element. It's just another way to, to reach people. But um, what I think we'll do is I think we'll go ahead and end the uh, discussion here. All right, so that was the uh, that was it. That was the hypothetical, or the end of the hypothetical mock make-believe, just for fun, 8.5 tournament that could have taken place in 2020. Um, Huge thank you to uh, to Justin again. Um, gonna gush, man, but I can't thank you enough for for taking ideas and just running with them and giving us something else to to look at in terms of the podcast. Um, also, huge shout out and thank you to the panelists, uh, Lou, Sean, uh, Brett, Vaughn, and um, everyone else, Chris, everyone else that helped out um, and contributed to this and, and putting your guys out there, putting your opinion and your 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 critical thinking skills and your your voice for lack of a better word, well, I guess your literal voice uh, out there for people to, to listen and consume. Um, as far as I can tell, a lot of people enjoyed this. Uh, it did turn um, a couple of topics up for discussion. And, um, you know, I hope that people listen to this and take it with a grain of salt, but also um, maybe get some takeaways. Like this is how, um, you know, we perceive your teams at this time. By no means are we 100% correct. By no means are we perfect. Um but what I really liked and appreciated was just how much uh, was put into making these recaps happen from all the work and spreadsheets and data that uh, Lou had culled from giving our input offline, having offline conversations to um, just the overall evolution of this whole process. Um, it's really going to pave the way to some stellar precaps and recaps of real tournaments. And, um, you know, in the meantime, if, if uh, we're, we're not playing dodgeball, we'll still talk about dodgeball in any way we can. Um, I do apologize for the lack of consistency on my end, uh, from my crappier sound to not being able to utilize the stream, but um, we'll, we'll work on that. Uh, we'll definitely get that better, uh, especially as I'm getting closer and closer to going out the door, which, um, if it's not obvious at this point, I am deploying. I'm going overseas um, with my training kicking up starting in April, so I'll pretty much be offline for all intents and purposes at that point. I'll be a listener on the wall so to speak, when I can. But um, yeah, in the next couple of weeks, this is going to be all Justin and, and, and Sergio's uh, show. So um, stay tuned. Let us know if you have any um, episodes that you'd like to hear, any other hypotheticals you'd like to go through. 
Uh, we're looking at co-ed next. We're also looking at uh, women's, and we're also looking at a potential, uh, I'm going to shout you out, Brenda and Shelby, put you on the spot, a potential draft tournament. Um, and we'll just see where we go from there. Uh, if you want to guest host, please, by all means, reach out to myself, Justin or Sergio. And as I've said previously, we'll get you on here sooner than, than you think. But um, with that all being said, um, thank you, everyone. We hope you really enjoyed uh, this series. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in the uh, next couple of days with uh, the first international interview of the season five with Sergio. So thank you for still with me. Have a great uh, rest of your evening, a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next time. Still, still live. I'm gonna drop us from but, uh, Bye, everybody. No, no, I'm Bye, Facebook. Live. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying goodbye to Facebook. Yeah. Bye, Jake. Herbert, Herbert, Hebert. 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 There we go. He has a bear. He said that too. I should, I should know by now. But um. <laughs>